0: You're listening to the Place Northwest COP26 podcast series,
1: a dedicated series that explores all things net zero carbon and sustainability within the built environment.
0: Alongside some of the biggest names in property, we'll be delving into topics such as
1: why the market is pushing net zero carbon faster than legislation.
0: Is renovation and retrofitting better for the planet than new construction?
1: How can we balance sustainability concerns with profit margins?
0: And much, much more.
1: Don't miss any future episodes. Subscribe at placenorthwest.co.uk slash subscribe or wherever you get your podcasts. and welcome to the Place Northwest podcast. I'm Julia Hatmaker, Deputy Editor at Place. Joining me today are Dave Cadwallader and Andy Knapp, directors and co-founders of Mies Solutions, an energy consultancy that helps landlords and property managers get more from their buildings. Their expertise in compliant, high-performing, sustainable buildings helps clients to save money and reduce their environmental impact, For an altogether more sustainable property portfolio. With the UN's climate change conference on the horizon, it's a good time to talk about sustainability. Not to mention the UK government's push to have everyone reach an energy efficiency rating of B by 2030, which sounds a bit daunting to me. So I'm glad I have a pair of experts here. First things first, Andy, can you walk us through the government's energy efficiency standards policy?
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. The uh, first step uh, is uh, is coming up in 2023, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But the, the longer proposal now for non-domestic buildings is that they will all have to achieve EPCB uh, if privately rented by April 2030. So it's a consultation stage at the moment. But when you read the consultation, it reads very like this is what we're going to do, not can you tell us why we shouldn't do this? So it looks pretty certain that it's coming. And there's a step on the way to get us there. Uh, domestic properties, incidentally, are Band C, not Band B, is the proposal. Uh, but we're talking about non-domestic today, and it looks like it's Band B.
1: What is what does Band B mean?
0: Well, effectively, the EPCs are rated um, from A to uh, G, uh, with G being the worst and uh, A being the uh, A being the best. So it's the second highest band. It's not quite getting them to zero carbon. But then perhaps you wouldn't expect existing buildings to be able to to get to that standard. So it's pushing them up as far as they can towards zero carbon without expecting an existing building built some time ago with older fabric to be to be reaching that that sort of standard.
1: So EPCA is zero carbon. B is as close as you can get to it without actually achieving it kind of thing.
0: the top rating of A is uh, is a zero carbon. There are A-rated buildings who are just off that. Um, it, the, the scale of A comes from zero carbon, just just down a little further. Uh, so B, B's a, if you like, is, is a silver medal.
1: Ooh, that's still a pretty tall order for buildings. So you already touched on this. 2030 is a long way off, but we've got an earlier deadline to meet, right?
0: That's right. Under the existing regulations, which have been in place since 2018, all let buildings must be E-rated or better uh, by April 2023. Uh, Now, that standard is already in place for new lettings and for renewals and extensions. But as of April 2023, all buildings, whether the tenant's been there for 15, 20 years, however long, if they have an EPC rating that's F or G, they either have to improve or there are some exemptions that, that can be uh, can be looked at in, in, certain, uh, in certain instances. So that's part of the existing regulations. And that was as far as those existing regulations went. Uh, and then we've had this consultation now, uh, as I say, which looks pretty, pretty sure that they're going ahead with, uh, which has a, an interim stage of C by uh, 2028 and then the final stage B by April 2030, uh, with a slightly different uh, way of enforcing it as well um, in, that, in that consultation.
1: What do you mean, in a slightly different way?
0: Well, uh, in the under the existing regulations, the enforcement or, or the the offence, if you like, occurs whenever the building is is let or, or or relet to an existing tenant on a renewal or extension. But under the new um, proposals, there will be set dates where buildings have to show compliance. So, for example, for the first um, move to band C. They have to upload an EPC in April 2025, which will at that stage still an E will be fine, Um, but it will be mandatory. They have to upload that to a central register and then they will have to re-upload by April 2027 with their C rating uh, if they they weren't achieving that standard initially. So it gives the um, enforcement authorities a register that they can look at and say, right, 1st of April 2027, you were not a C rated uh, building. You were letting it and therefore we're gonna find you. So it becomes more automatic on the, on the compliance rather than it being at every particular let um, being the point where it must comply.
1: Wow, uh, this seems like an awful lot of work coming if these proposals get passed, which as you said, it sounds like it's going to happen. So with this giant task that's ahead of us, and when we're all going to be trying to score the best EPC rating that we can, what are some of the common mistakes people make? Dave, I'm going to let you take first uh, take at this.
2: Okay, so you have to remember that uh, the EPC industry has been around since 2008. And for a lot of the time, um, the, the triggers were a sale or a letting or a new lease, and that had taken place and we would be asked to go and do an EPC and to be honest, it was a box ticking exercise. So the government had picked up on that, we all want to save the planet, we're all trying to save carbon. The importance of the EPC can be seen with the new legislation that Andy has just been talking about. So we still get asked to go and do EPCs and typically we will just be given an address and we then look it up on Google Earth, look at the building from the outside. We try and ascertain as much information as the building as possible. And once we've been to site, we have to produce a scale model, an electronic model, that replicates the use of that building as what we saw on the day that we surveyed it. So important factors. When was the building built? Um, How did it heat? Heated, how is it cooled, how, what lights, and how does it get its provision of hot water? So, because there is this lag between uh, the importance of the EPC in the eyes of us and the government, and um, so certain landlords and tenants, sometimes we turn up on site and we're not given full access to the building. We can't see um, the plant room and let's assume that we've gone back and we've got all the data we then analyze everything Uh, one of the jobs we do at me solutions is every single piece of equipment we interrogate we investigate we get the efficiency of it now if we cannot find the efficiency of the plant or the lights or the build year we have to make worst case assumptions so you could find your building being a B or a C um, through thorough work and yet if we can't find the particular dynamics of a system and efficiencies that building instead of being a B or a C could be a C or a D. I. It could wow. become non-compliant and at that point the landlord is duty bound to spend money on the building. And, and one of our clients, to to bring all of their portfolio in to a band B by 2030, we estimate to be in the region of £100 million.
1: Ooh, that's a lot of money.
2: It is a lot of money. Um, so there's a lot of talk about data warehouses. Uh, it's, it's one of my beliefs that we should always have or a a property owner should always have the full dynamic spec on a building to hand that that anyone can go and look at
1: when you say the full dynamic spec what what exactly do you mean with that well
2: it's even it's even as basic as the actual layout of the building or floor plans Um, the number of times we ask when we go to site have you got floor plans i'm terribly sorry no we haven't now there will be fire plans for that property, there will be lease plans for the property, all of which assist us in drilling down and really saving our clients money. Um, if you look at a boiler, and it's not got a model plate on it, but we can see it was installed in 1998, it has to go, or pre 1998, it has to go in at a lower efficiency. Now for no extra money, you're not replacing the boiler. You're just giving us that information of what it actually is. You will gain a few points on your EPC.
1: I think the thing that blows my mind with this is just realizing that it's just about being more accurate. Like you're not actually changing anything. It's just a matter of like having the right data versus having this generic default stuff.
2: Well, my my, my favorite Um, is my my light bulb analogy Um, and there's two ways of looking at this Uh, but basically we one of our jobs is staring at light bulbs uh, which is why quite often you'll see energy assessors of stars in their eyes so (laughs) uh, light bulbs will have an identification mark on them so we do walk around buildings looking at light bulbs and Probably five years ago now, there was a big sea change that everyone must get LED and we, we, we moved on that, we try and sit at the, the, the sharp end of the curve. If you went out today and bought an LED light bulb and you fitted them throughout your building, threw away all the boxes and invited us into the new EPC, you would assume quite rightly that those LED light bulbs would make your EPC much better. However, without having the specific characteristics of the light bulb, the software will assume that for simple terms, they're 60% efficient. And we are actually seeing some light bulbs that are 150% efficient. It's the same light bulb in the same fitting, but because the client who has got the 150 data actually present us with Anything from invoices to a specification to a lighting design, they are two and a half to three times more efficient, and it's the same light bulb. Now, the cost uplift, if we didn't have that information, they would be looking at spending thousands of pounds on unnecessary works.
1: Wow. That, that is actually a very illuminating analogy there. Thank you for that one. Um, So aside from the bad pun I just did, Andy, what is another common mistake that you've seen?
0: Well, uh, a lot of people don't realize that there are actually two different types of EPCs. Well, technically, there are three different types, but the first two are are, are pretty much the same thing. So when EPCs were were introduced in 2008, the government introduced some free software to to carry out the calculation. Uh, But they also recognized that their free software was a little bit... Um, should we politely say clunky, um, and that other software developers might want to develop their own version of it. Uh, They've also realised that there'd be certain complicated buildings, shall we say, that that might not um, be be modelled correctly using their their, um, uh, default software. So um, they allowed what they called a level five dynamic simulation software to be used as well. So um, level five uh, dynamic simulation software does a full um, energy check on the building hourly or sub hourly um, for the entire year. So if you do it hourly, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, it will check the uh, the energy balance, the, the day lighting, etc um, uh, etc. Et so it compares the temperatures outside to, to those inside and it's, a, it's an incredibly accurate uh, calculation. So uh, that's 8760 checks a year it will do on an hourly basic basis. The standard software 12 one a month. So uh, th- there is this much more accurate software out there. Um, that is uh, available to be used and that can uh, model buildings much more, more accurately. So uh, checking the EPC rating in the level five dynamic simulation software, as well as under the standard, um, uh, the standard software um, at, uh, as it's called, level three or four, um, then uh, that will give you uh, a, a, a much more accurate and often, but not always, a better rating. So, if you've had a building that's assessed, say, uh, you know, at a at an F under the the, the current requirements, um, has the energy assessor checked it in level five? Uh, because it might not be an F in level five; it might be a, a, a D or an E, and you might have nothing to spend under this initial phase uh, of the uh, of the legislation. So, um, it's uh, it's uh, it's an interesting one. Lot lot of people realise that that is an option to to, to check it under that. Uh, level 5 dynamic simulation software
1: yeah once again it sounds like we're just getting a more accurate reading which is the good news is it's actually better for a lot of people makes absolutely
0: and taken in conjunction with what dave just said about better better data in uh, meaning better results out because we're not having to use these horrible defaults those two in combination is is quite a powerful tool to to improve an epc rating
1: well, Andy, I feel like you're kind of on a roll. You want to hit us up with another common mistake people make? Well,
0: it's not that it's a common mistake just yet. It's more of a, a, of, a of a beware, uh, mm. I, I think. But um, under the, uh, the current um, uh, methodology, should we call it? Under the current methodology, the amount of carbon that's associated with each fuel type, if you like, it's, it's calorie content. You've got more calories in a donut than you have in a stick of celery. Well, there is more carbon associated with a kilowatt hour of electricity than there is with a kilowatt hour of gas. So your uh, electricity is your calorie heavy, carbon heavy fuel uh, at the moment, uh, mainly because in our methodology, these figures haven't been updated since 2012. So they don't take account of all the wonderful windmills, photovoltaic panels, renewables that we've got coming into our um, uh, uh, our grid in the uk these days uh, so they're long overdue an update so at the moment if you have an electrically heated building it's going to perform badly in the epc um, because uh, electricity is still the villain um, now this long overdue update is due mid to late next year with the introduction of the new building regs in england um, so at the point that they then update these uh, these carbon factors, and the figures have been published, they, they've, they've said what they're going to be, um, They EP, uh, the um, carbon factor for electricity is going to be on a par with gas. So electricity is no longer the villain. Now, the, the key point, key takeaway from all of this, I suppose, is that if you have an electrically heated building, its EPC rating is likely to improve when this change is made. So uh, mid to late 2022 is what, we're being told at the moment. Um, so perhaps if you've got a bad EPC rating and you're worried about April 2023, don't rip it all out just yet. Um, you know, ha- have a have a check. Ha- have a check when these uh, these factors uh, change. In fact, we've developed a little tool which will give us an indication of what it's likely to be uh, when the change does happen. Um, and you can see whether that's a, um, a change you need to make or whether you can benefit from the fact that electrically heated buildings will improve when these, uh, when these figures change.
1: That's awesome. I mean, it's good to know that there's still hope for, for your building. And while it might have a bad rating now, it can easily be bumped up once we have our head straight on where electricity is and how bad it is. Okay, Dave, what's another common mistake people make?
2: Okay, to me, this is the biggest. So the relationship between the tenant and the landlord. And if we were to bring in the third leg on that of the EPC, So it is the landlord's responsibility to achieve a compliant EPC. However, that EPC is typically uh, based upon the tenant's fit out of the property. So going back four or five years, we we started to see that landlords increasingly were putting into leases that, that said that when tenants moved into buildings, they would be required to fit the building out to a certain level so it achieved a specific EPC rating. That's great going forward, but historically we go into a building and the tenant is using the building for how they make money, failing to realize that probably 20% of their bottom line actually uh, is the cost of energy used in their own buildings. So we we sit between the tenants and the landlords trying to break down that relationship where the landlord is there to make money and the tenant is there to make money but also pay their rent so historically there's there's a bad bond between tenants and landlords and going forward that will have to work closer it works in everyone's interest and we we often see tenants um and I think the the you know if I'm allowed to give you an analogy or or actually a real world uh, example, we we surveyed a building for a landlord that was an industrial process uh, unit, and because of the process, really what they were doing in that building needed to be in a different type of building. However, they were paying their rent, landlord was happy, um they were having to leave the large doors at the front of the building opened to to vacate fumes and smells and etc. That then meant that the building was cold. Uh, They had a massive, massive uh, gas heater. They were spending tens of thousands of pounds on gas a year. The heater didn't actually heat the space and nothing we did from a straightforward EPC point of view made that building any better. So the landlord who was probably getting something in the region of seven or 8,000 pound a year rent on this building was looking at spending three, 400,000 pound. It didn't make economic sense. Um, so we came up with an alternative proposal. To be fair, it was massively left field. Um, they weren't using the gas, they weren't using the heat from that system. So just by taking that out, That improved the EPC rating. And the landlord was happy, the tenant was happy. However, we went beyond that in that we suggested to the landlord that they actually provided the tenant with logo-branded thermally insulated clothing. And the tenant now saved a lot of money. The landlord got a better EPC rating, everyone was happy. But ultimately, the landlord should have realised very early on that putting that type of activity into that building was only ever gonna result in a massive spend for all concerned. I think increasingly we are seeing that landlords and tenants are working together closer. Um, Certainly on the high street, they they look at the fit out and how the building is gonna work for both parties concerned. Just on that, we find as well that if you if you, if a tenant's fit out is what makes the epc equally it could be that the tenant moves out they take their fit out with them and an epc can go from a band a or a band b to a band g wow and under typical tenant landlord relationships the landlord will uh charge the tenant to put under a dilapidations claim to put that building that building back to how it was when they first let it, but what the landlord could then find is the tenants paid out a lot of money, but actually the EPC has gone from a band A, a band B to a G. Now they've got to spend a lot of money. So we we suggest that that there's a greater collaboration. Let's all save money and also let's not throw plant away. That has a useful service life.
1: Yeah, there seems like there's an awful lot there and just really stresses how important that collaboration and that communication really is. Yeah, I was going to say, Dave, do you have another one that you'd like to share with us?
2: Well, leading on from that, and and going back to a bit what Andy was talking about, about level five software, is depending on the building, um, whenever an engineer or a fit-out company, a lighting design company assess a building, they will be using similar, if not the same software as we use to produce our level five EPCs. It is engineering based. So our suggestion to our clients is that they always have a model of the building. So if a tenant comes to them and says, we would like to replace the lights in our unit, then actually they can quickly give us that information and we can assess it. And the greatest example we ever get, and I think most of our clients are learning this, is we get asked to assess a refurbishment on a building after the works have taken place. So the the biggest example uh, I ever personally encountered was a three and a half million pound refurb on a building. They then asked for an EPC to be produced and it was a band E, And therefore not means compliant going forward, and the client said, but I've just spent three and a half million pounds. Surely someone must have thought that we should have a model of all of our buildings in terms of the EPC rating, which is why, yes, it's, it's a lot of money uh, for clients to, to get models for all of their buildings. But on the basis they're required as part of the process, that it's not an additional spend. It's just spending the money more intelligently.
1: Yeah, it's working smarter, not harder. Yes, exactly. I feel like that's like the common theme for a lot of these tips that you guys have had is just like, you know, retain your data. Make sure that you're getting the most accurate result as possible. Make sure you have a model. Like It's all about like, be smart. Don't necessarily put that much extra effort, but you will get a better result if you have everything you need and think it through.
2: It is It is training people to... Think about the EPC process in a different way because they're not used to doing it. It's not their job. It's our job. So we need to impart that information.
1: So in y'all's opinion then, would you say we're in a good place right now to meet that 2030 deadline? Or do we still have a a long way to go?
0: I think there's a lot of work to be done by all parties. And as Dave says, the tenant and landlord collaboration is going to be a, a key part of it. Um, I think that that will uh, definitely have to get better uh, going forward uh, to avoid massive expense uh, for the landlords. There is a a little proposal hidden in the um, consultation that suggests that the tenants may have some obligations under the new regulations, but it's not uh, elaborated on at all, uh, shall we say. It just says do you think this is a good idea? No elaboration on how it would work or or what the what the proposal is. But that's going to be a, a key part of it, um, uh, definitely. Now, I, undoubtedly, there will be landlords out there with ropey old warehouse type buildings, etc. Thinking, well, I can't possibly get my building to a B. There are exemptions. There are going to be uh, exemptions. It isn't uh, an absolute. You must have a B. Uh, for example, if uh, a a particular um, improvement has a a payback of more than seven years under the current arrangements, you don't have to do that. You can apply for an exemption against that improvement. So the idea is not actually that everything should be a B, but that everything should be improved as far as it can um, in, a, in an economically feasible way, uh, shall, we, uh, shall we say. But the bit that's been ignored in the previous regulations is the fact that it's the landlord spending and it's the tenant benefiting from the energy efficiency improvements. So hopefully when this consultation moves into full regulations, that, that will be taken into account a little bit better.
2: What we see in the press, what we see on social media, if you follow landlords, large-scale landlords, um, they're being hit with a lot of legislation. So they've got ESG, it's buzzword bingo, they hate it. ESG, net zero, MEES, EPCs. And what we've seen is a lot of clients believe that four, four pieces of legislation require four capital expenditures. And that isn't the case because if you've got the building model you can plumb so much data into that that they could meet all of their obligations just by having the one model and then plugging in some simple data so it's it is like you said earlier it's about being smarter um greater collaboration as well between consultants um because we we tend to all operate in a bubble and and if if we can work together, I think the 2030 target will also help us as a country hit our net zero target.
1: So just to kind of like recap a little bit, chime in, guys, if I mess something up. We have a uh, proposals in about energy efficiency standards. It looks like they're going to go through. If they do, they're calling for uh, commercial buildings to be. EPCB by 2030 or at least as best as they can to get there. So it's not just a be or bust here.
0: It is just privately rented though not owner occupied.
1: Key, key stuff there. But uh, you know there are some common mistakes people are making and if you don't want to make those mistakes, they are, just to remind you, not saving enough data, using a generic software to evaluate your property versus a level five EPC uh, rating guide, using the wrong fuel types. Remember, electric is not necessarily bad. Once we get the new regulations in, we'll understand that electricity is way better than we what we valued it at before, not working together between landlords and tenants, And then also getting assessed too late, like make sure you get a model in so you can get that early way of figuring out if your building's doing better and kind of do some trials and and come up with the best EPC plan you can. Did I nail it?
0: You nailed it. Oh,
1: yes. Victory. (laughs) Sweet. Well, Andy and Dave, thank you so much for joining me on the Place Northwest podcast. Hope you had fun.
0: Thank you, Julia. Always.
1: All right. Well, I'll let you guys. <laughs> I'll let you go and enjoy the rest of your day. If you want to learn more about Mies Solutions and what they can do to help you get the best EPC rating possible, visit MiesSolutions.co.uk. That's M-E-E-S Solutions.co.uk. I'm Julia Hatmaker. Thank you so much for listening to the Place Northwest podcast.